A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm a Josh, a Navy SEAL. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Trained to face the toughest situations and confront the most dangerous enemies. But there's one mission that haunts me to this day, and I feel it's time to come clean about what I experienced. It all began when I was called in for a highly confidential mission in Wyoming. I was briefed that there had been a series of unexplained deaths in the area, over 100 people killed by some unknown force. The government suspected a new, unknown creature was behind it all. Our orders were clear, confirm the existence of this creature and eliminate it if possible. We were a team of six, all trained for encounters with the unknown, and we were ready for anything, or so we thought. We arrived in Wyoming and started our investigation, talking to locals and gathering any information we could find. Some folks spoke of an old Native American legend, a monstrous beast that would stalk and hunt its prey with ruthless efficiency. Others claimed it was a government experiment gone wrong. As we dug deeper, we found a pattern to the killings. The victims were always found in remote, wooded areas, their bodies mutilated beyond recognition. We decided to set a trap for this creature, using ourselves as bait. We set up camp deep in the woods and took turns on watch. For the first few nights, there was nothing. But on the fourth night, as I stood guard, I heard something in the darkness. 
a low, guttural growl that sent chills down my spine. I signaled the rest of the team, and we moved out, weapons at the ready. We tracked the sound, our senses heightened and adrenaline pumping. Suddenly, the creature burst out from behind a tree, and we caught our first glimpse of it. It was unlike anything we'd ever seen. A massive, muscular beast, standing at least nine feet tall, with razor-sharp claws and teeth that could tear a man apart in seconds. Its eyes glowed an eerie red, and it let out a blood-curdling roar that echoed through the forest. We opened fire, but it seemed unfazed by the barrage of bullets. It lunged at us, and we scattered, fighting for our lives. One by one, my team members fell to the creature's brutal attacks. I kept firing, my heart pounding in my chest, knowing I was the last man standing. Finally, a well-placed shot hit the creature in the head, and it stumbled, roaring in pain. I took the opportunity to unload every round I had left into the beast, and it collapsed to the ground, lifeless. I stood there, panting and covered in blood, surrounded by the bodies of my fallen comrades. We'd confirmed the existence of the creature, but the cost had been too high. I returned home, haunted by the mission and the friends I'd lost. The government covered up the incident, and I was sworn to secrecy. But now I can't stay silent any longer. The people need to know the truth, that there are things out there that defy explanation. And sometimes, even the most elite soldiers can't stop them. I grew up on Pine Island in Lee County, Florida. I lived with my grandparents who always kept our dogs chained up outside at night. Late one night the dogs started barking uncontrollably. This was unusual behavior for them but not unheard of. My grandfather opened the front door and yelled at them to stop. Normally they would listen to him, but that night they just kept barking. The next morning as the sun came up my grandfather went outside. I ran out with him like I always did. There was a large pine tree that stood at the corner of our property. Beyond that was an empty lot. There were no other homes around our house, just canals and swamps. My grandfather started walking out toward the tree and I was following behind. As we approached I looked up and saw what my grandfather was looking at. A huge limb was broken off. It was around ten feet up and six to eight inches round. In the sand under the tree were extremely large footprints that led down toward the canal. I trailed behind my grandfather as he followed them to the water. The strides between the footprints were around three feet. We followed the steps to where they walked into the canal. My grandfather was Native American. He looked at me and said if you don't bother them they won't bother you. I asked him but he never said a word. He just turned around and walked back up to the house. Many years later I moved into a rural house and property in Lee County with my kids. I owned several acres of woods and swamp across the road. I was sitting outside on my porch late at night when I began to hear knocking sounds. I didn't think much about it. It would happen a few times a week. Then one early morning at around 3 a.m. I saw the silhouette of a large person standing on the edge of the woods across the road. I ran inside and grabbed my gun and a spotlight. But when I got back outside, no one was there. My kids used to walk our dog along the dirt road in the evening. One night they came back and told me they saw a big monkey swinging from tree to tree. 
I just chalked it up to kids and their imaginations. Then I came across a video of a young Bigfoot swinging in the trees. I had my son look at the video and I asked him if this is what he saw. Yes, sir, he said. I started to research more about Bigfoot. But then I remembered what I saw with my grandfather when I was younger. It was like someone turned on a switch. I sat down with both of my kids and I had a talk with them. I told the kids not to talk about them and not to bother them. Then I repeated what my grandfather had told me all those years ago. If you don't bother them, they won't bother you. After that, I sat almost every evening and listened to the wood knocking. I never felt like I was in danger or threatened in any way. Months later and late at night, my lady friend was outside getting something out of her car. The next thing I knew, she was honking her horn. I came running outside and she was crying hysterically. She told me something was in the woods shaking the branches and growling at her. I later found out that this lady friend was not a good person. I wondered if my friends in the woods sensed something was bad about her and were just watching out for me. My name is Christian. I'm from Hawaii. I figured you may find this interesting though and to be honest, I just want to share the experience with a group of like-minded individuals after keeping it to myself for so many years. I'm 32 now this happened to me around the age of 16 in 2007. I grew up in a small town on the island of Oahu squeezed between the ocean and a long cliff mountain. I lived across the street from where this occurred. In the forest, they butted up against the property of one of my best friend's family, and three or four of my friends got a hold of some wood and built a deck under a huge kayak tree on that we put a really big camping tent on. We called it the base. We had a bare mattress on a box spring in there, a coffee table, and two old seats we took from an abandoned van we had found on the roadside. This experience happened probably six months after we set it up. My friend and I were sitting in the tent as usual. I was sitting on the mattress and my buddy was playing a new song he'd been learning on the van seat, closest to the tent door. The other seat sat empty to his right in the corner of the tent. We were there for a while passing the guitar back and forth. But as he was sitting there playing and showing me the chords up for this song, the sun was shining on the tent wall behind him, and the shadows of the tree branches were gently swaying on the wall. This part is a bit hard to explain, but as I was listening to the guitar, this specific part of a branch shadow on the tent wall above the empty van seat caught my eye as it looked like there were two eyes on it swaying with the shadow. As soon as I looked directly at the two eyes, a face started to materialize, and within probably five seconds, there was a fully materialized kid sitting in the chair looking at me. I'd never felt or experienced anything like this before then or since. The chill ran down my body and I got that feeling like my entire skin caught on fire. My eyes started welling up with tears and I couldn't breathe. The kid looked to be about 10 or 11 and wore a very distinct outfit. He was in a brown button-up vest and a white shirt underneath with a super pronounced sharp pointed collar. He had blonde hair combed neatly to the side and pale white skin. He locked eyes with me as I sat there frozen but trying as hard as I could breathe. While I basically started convulsing, my friend looked up and freaked out. He threw the guitar on the bed and grabbed my arm to pull me out of the tent. He was screaming, was that a ghost? What the heck was that? 
as we started running through the woods, but I still couldn't get any breath into me to respond. I felt like I was choking. The woods were a tangled mess with tightly packed trees and big patches of head-high grass. We ran, tumbled straight through it instead of taking the tight little trail we normally use. We headed back to our friend's property. When we finally broke out of the forest of the property, our other friend was actually there washing his mom's Tacoma in the driveway. It wasn't a surprise to him that we were coming out of there from the hangout spot, but his first words to us as we ran towards him was, Holy crap, what did you guys see? The friend I was with yelled, Ghost. We ran right past him to the main driveway, jumped on our bikes, and without even saying anything, rode in opposite directions to our houses. This was in broad daylight, probably two or three in the afternoon. I rode straight back to my house, jumped in bed, and just cried. I couldn't shake the feeling. I felt gross and completely creeped out. It's still hard to explain the feeling it put me in as a teenager growing up in that area. And at the time we pride ourselves on being tough and strong and it was completely out of character for me but this experience completely shook me. I have no explanation for it to this day. There's more that may or may not be connected to this but a month later, four of us were exploring in the forest probably a quarter mile straight up towards the mountain. From the base which was actually just a steep 200 foot overgrown rock cliff that ran the length of our town above the forest. We found a small cave. It was a ground level about knee high and probably six feet wide. It looked like it went in a good way. We were all super surprised that we had never seen it before because we thought we knew every inch of this forest. Just to the right of the cave is a small pile of rocks that had crumbled down from the cliff, and a piece of bone was laying between two of the rocks. I thought it was part of a bird's skull since we very often found them and always brought them back to the base and had a pretty large collection at that point. I grabbed it, pulled it up from between the rocks and it turned out to be the front of a human skull. The back was broken off but it was the forehead, both eye sockets, nose and teeth. As soon as we all realized what it was, it felt like I got hit with an electric shock. I dropped the skull and we were all losing our minds at the fang. My heart felt like it was exploding out of my chest and I was shaking uncontrollably. We all got down, looked into the cave afterward, and saw the rest of the skeleton inside. The rib cage was closest to the front of the opening and we can see other bones tucked farther back in. They looked old. The strange part of this was that less than a week later we went back to see the skeleton with some other friends, and when we got to the spot, the cave was completely filled in with small rocks that fit together perfectly like a tight-fitting rock wall completely filling the cave opening without any mortar. Indirectly in front of it was a tie plant that wasn't there before but it didn't look like it was planted recently. It looked like it had grown out of the ground right there. Tie leaves are used to wrap around stones to be left in the forest as offerings to the spirits just as some context as to the plant that was there. This area was behind my friend's property, and was really only accessible through the property, and we still have no explanation as to how anyone could have come within the week to wall up the cave. Implant the type planter have even known that we found the skeleton. Having that happen paired with us having the kid materialize in the tent with us is almost too strange and should not be connected somehow.
this weekend while hunting off of Salmonberry Road off Highway 26. I was looking for bear tracks on a trail that I have hunted before. Anyway, when I came out at the trail's end on one of the logging roads, I decided to take a walk up the road with my fiancé. I always keep an eye on the sides of the rayads for tracks to see where an animal may have crossed. Well, about a half a mile up, I saw a track with very discernible toes five, and I put my foot up next to the print. I am a size 12, and the print was about the same. The funny thing was, the print looked like the foot was broken and healed wrong. I do know that it was not human and it definitely was not any type of animal I hunt for. My fiancé also saw this print as well. As we first hit the trail, I should mention we both heard a howl the likes of nothing I have never heard before in my life. The hair on the back of my neck stood on end. Even my fiancé said that it was the weirdest thing she ever heard. There was no noticeable odor in the air at that time. This was all in the morning at about 6.10 a.m. I will be checking this area again in about a week. I will not forget that howl or moan for as long as I live. It is Monday and I can still hear it in my head. I'm a 20-year-old female. This takes place back when I used to live in southern Indiana like seriously in the sticks. It was a weekend night and my best friend and I were coming home after our graveyard shift at a local waffle joint. She decided to get her dog from her house so we could stay at my place for the night. That's important later. So we start heading out into the country while I live and to get to my house there's a long narrow dirt road you have to go down. About a mile in or so we see a truck's headlights. We get closer and it's a nice truck. Probably like a 2018 at least. I can't say I know much about cars. Leave me alone, lol. He's parked to where he's sideways, blocking the whole path. Confused. I get out and ask if he's okay. He looked hopeful when he saw me at first. I'm just waiting on a friend to come get me. My truck stuck. He smiled at me and I noticed his pupils were nearly completely dilated. He looks back to my car and sees that I have someone with me, and he looks at the dog sticking his head out the window. His smile fades. He says pit bulls are mean and nasty. He quickly turns around and gets back in his truck. I go back to my friend and I'm like, put this shit in reverse and use whatever hood ray skills you have to get us out of here. So we take my poor 95 caddy that really shouldn't be driving on a dirt road anyway and back all the way up down that road and get back to the main road. Relieved, we take a different road home. Then, lo and behold, the same guy is parked on that road standing off to the side smiling, just looking into our headlights. We were completely about to shit ourselves and we gunned it the rest of the way home. I don't know how he got there before us or what his intentions were, but I'm thankful I wasn't alone being my naive college girl self. In 2015, I took a trip through northern Arizona. I live in Phoenix, hiking, taking photos, and enjoying nature. At one location, it was late, so I decided to park for a few hours or spend the night in my truck. I had the truck turned off with the window down. There was a huge full moon in the sky behind me. I was looking at it in my outside rearview mirror. Then this being walked from my left to my right, about four or six feet behind the tail of my truck, it stopped and looked at me. 
It was about eight feet tall, very skinny, with long arms with the elbow lower than ours would be. The neck was about a foot long pointing forward a bit, oval head and what looked like a four feet tube extending from the jaw down forward, almost like a very long beard coming to a point. The moon was behind it so I saw it in silhouette. It walked very slowly like it was struggling to move. I tried to roll up my window but the truck was off. Slowly it slightly turned its shoulders towards me and that long freakish neck turned like an insect would. The face looking right at me. I thought that was it, I'm dead. It looked so skinny I figured it was hungry. I had my hand on the keys, if it came towards me I'd turn the truck on, roll up the window and take off. The head turned back forward and it walked on. I waited a minute then started the truck and took off. A few months later I decided to go back but in the daytime, I found the exact spot. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. There was nothing there but dirt and desert. No buildings for miles, all dirt roads. I traveled around the area since I was there, did a bit of hiking, then came upon a place and parked. It looked like an old crash site with a hole in the ground, big rocks all burned, and bushes growing in it. Whatever happened there happened a long time ago. Then I heard digging sounds, like heavy machinery, trucks backing up and making the beep beep sound, like a lot of them, but there was nothing around me for miles. Just dessert. I drove around a bit to see where the sound was coming from, but I was all alone out there. I went back to that spot and could clearly hear lots of trucks busy at work like major digging construction machines. I then got on my knees and put my ear to the ground. The digging sound was coming from underground. I thought that was odd, nothing around that would identify that area for construction, out in the desert on a very simple road, saw no one pass by at all. Then I noticed out in the desert two big white shiny pickup trucks facing me, windows were black. They seemed to appear out of nowhere, then behind me were two more. It was just me, the four trucks, and a lot of people digging under me. I got concerned, got back in my truck, and left. After a bit, I slowed down. No one was following me, so I drove until I got to the next road. There was an underpass to the road to go north. I take a right to go south. Go under the underpass and take a left. At both exits were the same big white pickup trucks, the glass tinted black and waiting. Whichever way I turned, one of them would be behind me. I headed south, and the truck behind me immediately took off after me. The other truck turned around and followed. 
The truck was right on my bumper. It was so large I couldn't see in its window but it was tinted so dark I'd not seen anyone driving anyway. I was going 90 miles an hour and as it was right on my tail the other one tried to overtake me. I was weaving between two lanes to keep it from passing, as I'd gone into the left lane to block the second truck the one behind me tried to pass me on my right. This went on for miles until there was an exit with a few shops there. I took that exit, and both trucks slowed, did a U-turn, and retired back. I nearly had my license plate, so I figured I was screwed. I uncovered something they didn't want to be found. I went home and just waited for a knock on the door or to be shot or whatever. Nothing happened. I got no contact, no warning, nothing. I was afraid to tell my friends as they might be incriminated, too. Years passed and nothing happened. It's been seven years now and I've never gone back to either location. By me seeing that thing walking and where I heard the digging underground and very earthly trucks trying to run me off the road, could there be a connection? I don't know, I stopped going out into the desert from then on. You have some ideas about the thing I saw. I'd love some answers. I guess we all would. 1. I was at Mount Robson National Park, deep in the backcountry. We had set up our camp and we just relaxing around the fire. A girl, let's call her Sue, stumbled into camp, quite obviously distressed. Sue was sobbing and could barely speak. We went to her and tried to find out what had happened. Sue was in rough shape and was having difficulty communicating with us. We managed to get out of Sue that her friend was lost. We sent one person to run to the closest warden's cabin to get help, about five kilometers away. They responded, and within a few hours the RCMP, search and rescue and park staff were on site. A helicopter came in to drop off people and pick up Sue to take her to the hospital for treatment. So here is what happened. Sue and her friend were hiking what is called the North Boundary Trail, a very remote part of the park that is some tricky river crossings. Sue's friend slipped on one of these crossings and fell into the fast-moving current and was swept away. Sue searched for her downstream for a full day before deciding to hike out on her own. Sue hiked out another two full days and said she didn't sleep much, laid down once in a while but was too scared to sleep so just kept walking. We were the first people she saw three days after losing her friend. I never heard whether they recovered Sue's friend's body. This incident took place in 1993. I was in a fishing boat with my father and grandfather in the Potomac River in the Sidling Hill Wildlife Management Area, Washington County, Maryland. We had been on my father's boat fishing for a few hours already. My father's girlfriend was also on the boat, which wasn't all that large, maybe the size of a regular sedan vehicle. Anyway, my father and his girlfriend were looking out towards the front of the boat, and I and my granddad were fishing off the back half of the boat. I and my grandfather were simply talking about whatever and fishing when all of a sudden we looked about maybe 20 yards away from where we were and I see it. I'm not too sure what it was but I'll try to describe what I saw. I saw a creature about the size of a large alligator, maybe 6-7 feet in length. But the creature was definitely not an alligator. It had a grayish brown color and smooth skin like that of a dolphin. I remember seeing flippers on it. 
but I don't remember how many, although I do know it was more than two. I never actually saw its head or tail, just its midsection. I didn't know what it was doing, but I remember seeing the creature sort of rolling around as an alligator or crocodile would do while trying to bite a chunk of flesh off an animal. I remember comparing what I saw to a log rolling in the water. The animal rolled for a few seconds and then disappeared before either one of us could call my dad to check it out. I remember after seeing it both me and my grandfather looked at each other in disbelief. My father always did think we were just playing. I know what I saw and it freaked me out. More so because I had been swimming in that same area a few days before the incident. To this day I don't know what it was. This event happened to me and a friend from out of town that I had invited to go hunting one afternoon. This location was in South Louisiana in an area with thick woods and a lot of palmetto up to six feet in height in some places. The water we had to walk in to get to my deer stands were up to our waist at times, so it was slow moving in the mile we had to walk to our deer stands. My friend wasn't used to this tough terrain, but he kept up. When I got to the first stand, which was 15 feet off the ground with a ladder to climb up, I told him I would be by to pick him up about a half hour after dark since I was a half mile past him. We had a full moon that was reflecting off the water, allowing us to hunt a few minutes longer. When it became too dark to see, I climbed down from my deer stand with my rifle on my shoulder and started walking slowly towards my friend to pick him up. When I was almost to his stand, I shined my light up, and he wasn't in the stand. So, I shined my light on the ground at the bottom of the stand, and there he was leaning back against the tree the stand was on. What was odd was he wouldn't look my way even after me calling his name. So, I walked up to him within a couple of feet and asked if he was ready to go. That's when he finally turned his head and looked towards me. What I saw in his face scared me so bad that I took my rifle off my shoulder, putting it between me and him. His eyes were rolled back in his head, and his mouth was wide open just standing there looking at me, not saying a word. He was not answering me when I was asking what's wrong. So, there I was, a mile or so back in the woods with solid palmettos and up to my waist in water with my good friend looking at me as if he was possessed or something. Yes, at this point, I was scared. So, I finally slapped his face, and he snapped back to himself. I asked if he was okay. His only words were, let's get out of here now. With me not knowing what the F was going on, I made him walk in front of me the whole way back to the truck, and we got in and left without saying a word. I asked him what happened in the woods, why did he look shocked or possessed. That's when he started crying and started telling me how he was sitting there in the stand when he heard something coming through the water, moving palmettos as it was walking. When it got close enough to see what it was, he said it was a man that looked like he had been skinned alive. He had no skin at all on him, and he said he was so scared that after this thing had passed him, he climbed down and hid under the stand against the tree so it wouldn't see him if it came back. He was in shock when I got to him, that's why he had looked like he did. He was so shook up and crying that I made him pull over for me to drive. Well, a week went by, and I was talking to my little cousin who had gone on a tour at a near Indian memorial. They were explaining how this Indian tribe would skin men of the tribe alive and turn them loose in the woods when they had committed a serious crime in the tribe. 
My friend, who had witnessed this skinned man a week earlier, wasn't from around this area. Had no way of knowing this. So what did he see that put him in shock? Was it a ghost of one of these Indians who was skinned alive years ago? I don't know, I just know the shake my friend was in when I got to him that night in the woods, something I'll never forget. I'm sorry for the long read and excuse my typing, I'm on my cell phone. Where my dad's family lives is up in a series of ridges and hollers that for the sake of this entry I will call Webb, Kentucky. My dad's entire lineage has lived there since the 1800s. I have looked into our family tree and it is chock full of history. From an old one-armed Irish man who built the two-story log cabin where my father's family grew up in and where his grandparents, my great-grandparent, lived at. Their entire life's the Native American heritage. Where the following story takes place it is, my uncle's house which is the two-story log cabin built by said Irish man. My uncle died in 2010 of a massive heart attack on his porch at the home. Most of the time it's since sat empty except for my aunt my grandma's sister staying there during the spring and summer. The house itself has had a history of paranormal activity from disembodied footsteps coming from the upstairs rooms to voices and apparitions. My whole life my dad and his sisters and brothers had always sweared that the house was haunted by the spirits of my great-grandparent. The one-armed man who built the property and possibly even my late uncle who died there. But that isn't the only thing that has happened there in the late 90 seconds or early 2000 seconds. Somewhere around the time, my uncle who loved spending time out in the woods day and night coon hunting with his pack of hunting dogs was out one night on one of his nightly hunts. According to my aunt who heard the story from my uncle who retold it to my grandparents. Later on he was in the woods when something chased him out with great success. He said he could hear bipedal walking tailing him in the woods. His coon hounds who were akin to predators seemed frightened and wouldn't chase after whatever it was. He fled through the woods as he heard whatever it was chasing him from behind. He barely made it home by the skin of his teeth as whatever it was chased him all the way back to the property. He retold the story to my family a few weeks later while visiting. Story 2. My Uncle Dad's eldest brother had moved back to the mountains after some years away in the nearby city. After remarrying the family kept up with him from time to time but he said on his own and doing quite well. However, unfortunately, in mid to late 2016, he was diagnosed with incurable lung cancer and was given only a few short months to a year to live. Seeing as how he didn't want to die in the city, he decided to move back to the hills of home. He spent a little while trying to find a suitable house or trailer to move his family back into. But after a while, he finally found one nestled on a very steep hill with a gravel road leading up the hill to the house. It sat surrounded by dense dark woods and a backyard that was walled off by a massive rock face with even more woods surrounding it. The house was what I would describe as a log cabin type build with light brown wood covering the outside. And tin or shingled roof. It even had a small hot tub off the side of the small porch but it had not been used in quite some time. However, that wasn't the strangest part of the property in the front yard in a medium-sized garden that the previous owners had made set a grave, yes, a real grave. It was of a stillborn infant baby, a fetus whom had died in the 1970s or 80 seconds years prior. 
and had been buried there ever since. I found that extremely odd and unnerving, but the inside didn't fare much better either. Whoever had lived there previously must have left in a hurry as they left all of their belongings behind. Dishes were left in the kitchen tables, a TV, bed frames were tapped together in the bedrooms with only the bed rolls themselves being taken. Little girls' clothes and a Minnie Mouse TV stuffed into the closet of a back bedroom and in the backyard was the strangest sight of all. A massive burn pile, made up of furniture, and piece of all the objects and personal effects all scorched and burned black with a giant circle of black surrounding the pile signified by a black outline in the dirt. The whole house had a very eerie and creepy vibe to it like something was wrong there. Very wrong my father as a promise that his dying brother started work on the house immediately arranging for sate-like TV to be hooked up in the living room which is where my uncle and his family were forced to sleep at. While work was underway elsewhere in the house. However soon this happy abode turned into a living hell. Sleeping in the living room you would hear foots walking across the wooden floors doors would close and open by themselves and shadows were seen. My uncle started seeing a small boy and older man in overalls and straw hats who after a while there would torment him even up until his dying day. His wife who thought he was going crazy never knew anything odd was happening that was until while at the kitchen sink he saw a boy in overalls running past the kitchen window. Going outside nothing was there his daughter always soon started experiencing the oddness of the property, as she told her mother that she had been playing with a boy in her room. Just a short time ago when going to see what was going on, nothing was there. My uncle was continually tormented by these spirits even locking my family who went to visit him in the back bedroom out of fear that they would hurt them. Eventually, however, they were found to finally flee the home having been run out by all of the aggressive activity inside the home. My uncle did eventually pass away in 2017, but the entire time he was there at the home, he was tormented by the restless spirits of the man and boy. After his death, the family pastor and another preacher went to the property and blessed it and attempted to banish the dark entities haunting the home. They threw holy water on the walls and front and back doors and ordered the spirits out in the name of Jesus Christ. After that, no one knows for sure if the property ever had any odd activity again. Story 3 My father would stay the nights at my grandmother's when she was still alive. She died in 2018. Most of the time he would stay with her because she was afraid of the night time, as she had some form of sundowners and would see and hear thing at night so he stayed to calm some of her nerves at night. This particular night her sister was visiting for the week and he decided to go up and hang out with them for a while, and stayed the night well at about midnight or sometime after that. He was awoken by the sound of the garbage being gone through in a loud thump, as whatever it was it knocked the lid off of the trash and causing a loud calm that had awoken my aunt. And my grandmother, as they got my dad up to investigate whatever the disturbance, was out back. Grabbing my grandfather's old shotgun and a flashlight, he opened up the back door and walked out back to investigate. Having seen the trash can lid can, trash been gone through, he walked farther out through the back area to see if anything was out there. And that's when he saw it walking back up the hill and back into the woods was a very large and very tall creature in white with red eyes reflecting the light from the flashlight bouncing off of it. 
The creature watched him the entire time as it walked back up into the woods as it vanished. My dad walked back inside white from what he had just seen pale as a ghost. My aunt tried to ask what had happened and that is when he told her and called my mom on the house phone. Relaying the encounter, my mother had my stepbrother try to find any odd encounters from the area and had found one. A man had reported being followed in the woods while he was walking down that same stretch of road one day. He never saw anything but it was walking with him every step. It was later discovered that there is a legend there about the devil himself haunting the woods of the mountains there. 